Welcome Crusaders to New Crusade Podcast, episode 38. I'm your host Ian, and with me as always is Courtney. Hello! This week we're going to be talking about a couple movies and some TV shows that have come out. Uh, basically, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning uh, went to streaming services. Uh, the Haunted Mansion came on Disney+. Plus. And then we'll talk about Loki, the new episode of Loki, uh, Our Flag Means Death, and our first impressions of the Goosebump show, which is also on Disney Plus and Hulu. Mm-hmm. All right. So jumping into it, uh, we'll go with movies first. We'll jump into Mission Impossible, uh, Dead Reckoning. Yep. Which, honestly, I was very disappointed with this movie. Yeah. Um, the top the Mission Impossible movies have been pretty good since uh, Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm. So like I think that's four, five, six... Ghost Protocol, then Rogue uh, Nation, and then Fallout, and yeah. then I think this one. Um, and this one reminds me a lot of the worst worst Mission Impossible movie, which is the this, second one. Yeah. <laughs> um, not only because the premise is f- kind of fucking stupid, um, and it's very predictable as, well as to what's going to happen, except for like one or two sequences. Um, well, there's only one really good sequence. Well, the the car rolling down the stairs stunt where they end up switching spots in the driver passenger seat. Okay, that was a decent Fine, stunt. That's two. And then, like the only the big stunt in the movie, which like in previous movies have happened fairly early on, instead of it always happening at the end, there's been like some end piece stunt that's like really crazy. Right. Because I think in one of them it was like he hung onto the outside of the plane, right, and then yep. at the end he's like in a underwater whirlpool trying to pull servers out while this mm-hmm. uh, thing is swinging around and can almost kill him. Or he falls through, drives a car off of a parking lot structure uh, to get to the device to stop a bomb, basically. Like, there's the big one that everybody talks about, and then there's, like, usually some surprise stuff that kind of happens towards the end. This, the major stunt that everybody's waiting for, is at the end of the movie. Well, that's the stunt that they showed a lot of. And yeah. that's... Uh, him, him jumping, jumping off, the mountain. off the mountain. But, like, usually that's the stuff that in the other movies have happened early. Like yeah, Halo it's jump usually early ha- on. Happened early. Yeah, the, within the ones. first or at the very beginning of the second act yeah. is when it'll happen. Where this, like, nothing, no real big stunts until that stunt happens. Yeah. And which is kind of disappointing and kind of like, well, I know I'm waiting for this big stunt to happen. And so you're not surprised by anything. Mm-hmm. And then... Something's wrong with the color on this movie. It is like shot super, Everyone super is hot. Red. Every yeah. single person was red when we watched it. It's very, very warm. And the thing is, is like Mission Impossible Two, who was, which was directed by I think John Chow, or okay. the same guy that um, did fuck did uh, I think like the Kill Sunrise movies. I think. Okay. He did Face Off. I forget what his name was. I'll look it up right now. I Mission don't know it off the top of my head. Possible but... two. Uh, Tom. Uh, where is? Wasn't it up one up 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 that? That this yeah. uh, possible two. John Wu. Thank you. <laughs> He's the guy that has like the pigeons flying when people diving and gunshots and shit. That we've had pigeons. a lot of that. Why? Yeah, like John Woo is known for like a guy walks into a church and then there's doves or pigeons flying Just... all over the place in slow motion. Like that was his style. Okay. But like Mission Impossible 2 was a super warm movie as well. Yeah. And... Well, also it was the uh, early 2000s where they were doing a lot of that uh, extreme color variations. 
True, but like this movie is like way beyond it. But like, I to agree. To the point where like this is like, why is everybody red and orange? I understand it's we're like, like Michael Bay, but if Michael Bay just went oh, a little bit more in the saturation on the reds. Yeah, I mean, looking at this trailer for Mission Impossible Two, it looks better than this one because it's not as super warm. He's so young. But <laughs> it's definitely a, a warmer movie than the rest, which yep. is weird. Um. But basically, the premise of this, which is kind of boring because I probably won't bother you with seeing this the second part of this, is they're basically chasing after an AI. AI became sentient, is locked, uh, basically is locked away somewhere, and the whole world is, has found these keys that go to... Opening the AI to control it? It's, it's, really, I, it's, it's really what weird. I kind of got. Yeah, it's a really weird thing because... What the AI, what the keys go to is a submarine that the AI sunk yeah. in, like, the Arctic or some shit. But in the submarine is just part of its source code where they, where everybody thinks if they have part of the source code, they can control it or Ethan Hunt wants to destroy it because it's a crazy AI. And then there's some dude working for the AI, which... It's from Ethan's past, which we've never seen before in any of the fucking movies. Yeah. It would have been great if, like, you made it John Voight. Like, somehow he didn't die in the very first uh, Mission Impossible, and he's the one working with the AI. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would mean something. But this is some event that happened before he joined the uh, The Mission Impossible uh, force, MIF, that we've never heard of, never seen. Don't know who this person is. Yeah. Don't know what the event is that they're referencing. Because he killed some girl who we have no idea who she is. So... There's no real stakes about this character. You just know he's the bad guy. And then, for some reason, he's working with the AI, which the only, well, only thing they've ever told you is that, well, this AI can blackmail anybody, do anything, get people to work for it, blah, 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 blah. But it never explains why Gabriel's working for it. Yeah. I guess we'll find <clears throat> that out in part two. Yeah, I'm not going to bother watching because this well, is so boring. Well, you don't boring. have to go to the theaters. We could just pop it on in the background, get the gist of it, yeah. when it comes out on Max. Um. Well, Paramount. It's not even going to come out in Paramount until February. That's one reason why I picked it up finally. It's like, well, it's not going to be out till February. <laughs> Might as well watch it now because you, usually the past movies have been really, really good. Right. But this has been very boring. Um, like I said, the plot is they're trying to basically get these keys that will, that, but they don't know what it goes to except Gabriel does. And by the end of the movie, somehow this predictive AI that can predict every little move that's ever be going to be made is outsmarted by the, what, unpredictability of of his character, Tom Cruise's character? Yeah. Which doesn't make sense to the point where, like, everything went the way the AI said it would, where the key would fall at Gabriel's feet on the, the next day on a train, which it does. It didn't figure out that, Mike, that Tom Cruise would pick his pocket in a fist fight. Yeah. It's like, come on. So... <laughs> or, like, even the... Even if he was, like, just in the fist fight and Ethan didn't pick his pocket, his pocket was pretty baggy. It would have fallen off the train and been somewhere along those tracks. Yeah. So, everything that's happening here with this predictive AI is very predictable. Like, their big... <laughs> it's re- the most predictable AI ever. Who yeah, like, not? their big reveal that, oh, this dance club is actually the entity, which is what they keep calling this AI, which is stupid. <laughs> it's so and it's like, yeah, I, you could tell that that's probably what was going to happen. Yeah. The biggest stunt is the one that they show, and the only unpredictable aspect of it is how he lands on the train. It's not what you... Which th- is great. Yeah, you it's think... It's the best part of the film is how he... Enters the train is a better description. Yeah, because every plan they originally had for him to get on the train fails. 
because the AI mm-hmm. is expected and and had some thing to do to fuck it up. Whether it was, all right, I broke your machine so you can't make a disguise to sneak on the train. I sped up. I had to get a little speed up the train so you can't get to the rendezvous point on time and, and be able to jump on it. Okay, now Ethan can't get on the train. He's just going to jump off a mountain, paras- uh, basically parachute to the train, but he doesn't land on the top like you would expect. He just crashes through the fucking window and kills a dude, like, basically by accident. Yeah, which was good because Agent Carter, uh, well, that's not her name. It's the actress who played Agent Carter is also in this, who's a thief, and I forget her name, in this film. Grace. Her name is Grace. Thank you. Grace. They said it enough, but I forgot it. Yeah. Uh, but Grace is being held at gunpoint because she was trying to get the key. She gave him the key, but they were going to kill her anyway. And boom, that's when Ethan comes in through the side of the window and into the guy. Yeah, and the thing is, because he did that, that's how the key falls at Gabriel's feet. So it's like the AI should have known that that was going to happen. Right. And that Ethan would be on the train. But he did all this, all this work to try and prevent him to get on the train for that event to happen. And then it, he outsmarts it by pickpocketing the guy at the very last second where now Gabriel doesn't have the key. Mm-hmm. Ethan has it. And then he also figures out by the end of the movie what it actually goes to. Now the question is, where is the submarine? Which is going to be the whole next movie. But like I said, uh, the guy who plays Agent Carter, who plays uh, her character name is Grace here, is probably one of the best characters in here. But it's unclear what the fuck her motivation is because she right. claims to not be working with anybody. It's cool that she doesn't automatically become damsel in distress and just trust Ethan off the bat and, like, does everything he says. She's constantly fucking him over and stealing the key back. Right. But, Which any woman would do who doesn't know a man and he's telling her what to do. It's like, fuck no. Yeah, but, like, we don't know why she's even involved in this huge thing. And, like, it's as if, like, she doesn't know what it is she's doing. Like, it's almost as if she was hired to steal the key. Yeah, all she was she didn't know what she was stealing. She she was supposed to follow him to find the mark, to steal whatever the mark had. Yeah, and then just uh, turn it into her contact, get her money, and then peace out. And that was it. But we don't need to find out who her contact is, because the other guy who runs the MIF was working with the arms dealer to get the key from her. Right. Which Ethan nobody knew about. So, like, can Gingrich be actually be trusted or not? Who knows? We know he's been the villain in kind of the past, especially with, like, the first Mission Impossible. He was an antagonist. Um, And even in, I think, Ghost Protocol, uh, he was also an antagonist there, too. So it's kind of weird how this movie works. Like I said, it's not very entertaining. Like, the normal... Scenarios of bad guy gets nuclear device is going to blow up something like how it's been in, in Fallout or these other crazy um, weapon schemes that happen are way more believable <clears throat> than an AI became sentient, blew up its submarine to sink itself, but is scared about being shut down or trying somebody trying to control it. Um, and basically kind of makes itself known because everybody in the briefing is like, oh, this entity is like, why do you guys even know what this thing is? Yeah, no one should really know what it like, is. You think you would try to erase itself so it wouldn't be able to be found. Yeah. So I would totally skip this movie. Not that great. Very predictable. The stunts, like I said, there's only one other good stunt that's a minor one where they're in this little tiny, like, smart car. Well, it's not even smart car. It's a, t- it's a tiny Fiat. Yeah. <clears throat> and it ends up rolling down the stairs of, like, the city they're in, which I can't remember where it was. Vienna? <clears throat> no, I don't think it was oh. Vienna. 
Um, it was in Italy. Yeah, but they were, but like know. we, they're since Ethan cuffed Grace to him so she couldn't get away, and he has to drive, but he cuffed her like on his left hand instead of his right hand. Uh, he's in the driver's seat, and as they roll down the hill in this car, they end up in the opposite seats when the car lands at the bottom. Yeah, which was kind of was a, was a cool situation of like how that f- happened and it made sense, but everything else was just kind of. Blah. Yeah. And with how smart and predictable this AI was, it to be fooled at the end by a pickpocket is pretty stupid. Yeah, it's it's not <clears throat> a smart AI. Yeah. It's so, chat GPT trying to look smart. It's what it's happening. Yeah, and like the assumption and like one of the things that does happens with um uh Gabriel's henchman, which is played by the gal who plays Mantis. Mm-hmm. Um believe her name her name of the character's name was paris but that might be actually her real name no no real name's palm her character name was paris she's been like this crazy wild card that like honestly you would think she worked for the fast and furious crew because how nonchalant (laughs) and crazy her methods have been to track down ethan or try and get this key and then you find out she's working with gabriel but then she literally betrays Gabriel because he turns on her because the computer told him that she was going to betray him. But, like, she wouldn't have done it if he didn't turn around and try and kill her. Yeah. So it's, it's like... so stupid. The predictability of this machine is just... It has a paradox that's just stupid. And so it really feels like they ran out of ideas of how to write this story or come up with an ultimate villain over a nuke or over a plague or any of the other stuff they've done in the past. Yeah. Um... Which is unfortunate. And again, that would have been nice. Like, this Gabriel character means nothing. It would have been better if it was like, oh, John Voight somehow survived. Yeah. But I think John Voight's still alive. If not, they could have fucking did an AI version of him. It would have been better. <laughs> an AI version. <clears throat> it would have been better because it would have connected it to the very first Mission Impossible. Or you could, like, any of the other villains that Ethan fought against. That, have fought, that, 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 w- that possibly could have survived. survived. Yeah. It could have done something, yeah. It it was just a bad movie. I wouldn't recommend it by any means. Yeah. Um. So moving on, another kind of mediocre movie was uh, the Haunted Mansion that Disney came out with this year. Um. Again, they've tried to make the Haunted Mansion into a movie, but the problem with Disney is like they're trying to make a scary movie, but they're trying to make it for kids, and they have no idea how to do that properly. They used to in the past where it's like, yeah, just go ahead and scare the bejeebies out of kids. Yeah. Because like eight, you know, before I would say the 90s, they did that well with a lot of the older movies. Yeah. So what? And I would say that like they try to incorporate a lot of the ride into this, which is obvious. Right. But that's what they do for every kind of ride adaptation. Yeah, and that wasn't the bad part about this. The bad part was just kind of the pacing and, like... The lighting. The lighting was really <laughs> bad. Again, it was really dark, a dark movie. Uh, I think the best standout person was Jamie Lee Curtis' role as uh, Madame Leota. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but, like, the plot was kind of well, lacking, You didn't too. like Harriet? Uh, who's Harriet? She oh. was the other Oh, medium. yeah, she was the other media. Yeah, she was pretty funny. Uh, played, like by T- played by Tiffany Haddish. Um, but, like, our main character, Lakeith Stanfield <clears throat> and Rosario Dawson, were kind of, like, just okay. They were very, like, one note. Almost, not quite one note, but just very almost background characters that they were trying to make 
back uh foreground yeah and like i like i said it was nice that the some of the ways the inter, the interjected aspects of the ride into it would make were pretty cool with the fact like if you walk into the house and you leave just like the ride it is when you're leaving you're leaving with ghosts with you so everybody who walked in the house on left was getting haunted to go back to the house because the plot is that this one main ghost which i guess is probably in the ride i don't recall really seeing very much in the ride not at least the original one but i'm sure they're gonna add him now Who's played by Jared Leto, which thank God Jared Leto's face isn't on, on here because he's not that good of an actor. But apparently this character is trying to kill a thousand, collect a thousand souls for some deal. Like when he was alive, he was killing thousands of people so he can keep no, his No, he wealth. wasn't killing thousands of people. He only killed like 60 people, I believe. Something like that. But he was killing people to maintain his wealth was the yes. deal. But he's dead now. We don't know what he gets out of the deal if he gets a thousand souls and what happened, how, what, what's his power going to be when he gets that, which is what they're trying to prevent throughout the movie. So we have no idea what they're trying to stop or why, because the original deal was you'll get to maintain your wealth if you do this with whatever entity he made the deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen Wilson is obviously not a real priest. You can tell that from the trailers. But they don't reveal that to like way later on in the movie. It's like, why do yeah. we wait to reveal this? That should, like should have been put out there the f- almost immediately after he had it, he was forced to come back yeah. to the house. And they try to play this whole grief thing that the main character um, Ben mm-hmm. is going to be the final victim who has to be willing um, because he has so much grief for his dead wife. When it's real obvious, they won't say what happened to, uh, sorry, Dawson's kid, Travis. And, like, why, like, what happened to his father, why he's not there. So it's real obvious that it's actually going to be the kid being tricked to, like, go see his father who's dead. But, like, the other thing was, like, the costume design, which was perfectly fine for almost everybody else. Danny DeVito playing a professor of architecture and, like, uh, I guess, folk- history. history and folklore. His outfit made sense. Owen Wilson dresses as a priest because he's pretending to be an exorcist for Halloween to make extra money. Makes sense. Ben's costumes and everything made sense. Rosario Dawson and her kid dressed like they were from the 1950s for some reason. Yes. And it made no fake. For a second, I thought they were dead. It confused the hell of me because I thought when I first saw them, I thought, I'm like, okay, this is going to take place. Like, do flashbacks between, like, her and, like, the modern day crew because it looked like they were in the 50s. And it was like, no, it's present day. And they just dress like 50s people for whatever reason. Really weird. Like, the kid's getting bullied at school. I wonder why. Because he's wearing a bow tie and tweed le- tweed jackets and shit. Like, yeah. why would you make your kid dress that way when moving him around the country or whatnot? Especially when, like, she's supposed to be a doctor and she's dressed like... She was from the 50s or 60s. It was really weird on her costume design because it made no sense. I originally thought that maybe they were dead and they were ghosts. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis costumes were great because it's like she's from an older period as uh, Madame Leota. Uh, so, like, she's playing a psychic back then. And then when she's just ahead of the ball, it works really well. It's very memorable to what you see at the ride. Yeah. Even though it's a completely different actress in the ride and whatnot. Um, but she almost looks exactly like the original actress in the ride when she's in the ball. Yeah. Which I, was a nice touch. Yeah, they opinion. did a really good job with that, with those effects. Uh, where it just lacks is that it lacks in the story and, like, the scare seems very 
are very manufactured, mm-hmm. um, and the plot is very good. Um, it didn't do well in theaters. Uh, one reason probably because some of the strikes that came up, uh, nobody could promote the movie. Yep. So the strikes. It came out in the summer. It really should have came out around this time in October yeah, or I September. Don't know why horror movies keep coming out not in October. Yeah. Like, this is the month it's that, the you, that you that time. you you want to see a spooky film in theaters. Put it out in late September and through October. October. Yeah, because like October, you that should be nothing but horror movies coming out, and it's almost rarely ever horror movies coming out in October. It's stupid. <clears throat> so theaters now just have to play old film, old horror films to bring people in, because that's yeah. what they want. They're like, I want to go to the theater. Oh, it's Halloween time. I right, let's go see some horror. Oh, there's nothing new out horror-wise. Now, the ghost designs in this were done pretty well. Mm-hmm. There is a problem with shit that doesn't make sense, though. Like, why is there a medieval knight with a bunch of people from, like, the 20s and 30s in, the, in a house that was not there during the medieval times? Yeah, and there's, like, a mummy. Yeah, like, it's like, like there's, weird, there's weird period, period ghosts. Pe- period ghosts that don't make any sense for what they're, what the plot of the story yeah. is. Um, but... Is, is it better than any Murphy one? Absolutely. It's definitely just not a great movie. It should have been made for TV or made into an episodic TV show for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, the fact that they spent a ton of money on making this um, really hurts the studio because they didn't make any money on it. No. <laughs> no, um, they did not. So it could have been done really well. It would have been great if they had a TV show even with this acting cast. I think they would have been able to pull off a better TV show than a movie. Um, but yeah, because then you could have dwell into more of the ghosts that were living there. Yeah, and like, cause like other like critically claimed haunted stuff, like the House on Haunted Hill one that was on Netflix, or the mm-hmm. Manor one. There's like only one or two really good episodes there, and all the ghosts are all in the background and have nothing to do with the main story for the most part. Yep. Which that's been kind of the mo of like horror stuff lately has been like. Oh, we're gonna put creepy stuff in the background, but we're not gonna explain it. Or when we do explain it, it literally has nothing to do with what's going on. And it's like, so you're just wasting our time with these fake kind of scares here. Where it is nicer when like you have ghosts and everything, and what's happening all folds into the nice plot. Honestly, like if they fleshed out the plot better than this, this could be a better movie. It's just like yeah. it feels like it's a first draft, and they just went with it. Yeah, it was like a first second draft, and they kind of needed to flush it out a bit more. And actually give some jump scares, because guess what? You can scare children. It's fine. Yeah, they're trying to make it too, like, oh, look, it's kind of funny, not necessarily scary. And there's are parts where it's really scary, but then they don't linger on the scare parts long enough for it to actually be kind of scary. Movie. Yeah, it's called Haunted <clears throat> Mansion. You're going in hoping for a haunting experience. Yeah. Hey. Um, so... It's, again, a meh movie, but... If you have kids, maybe? Kids would probably like it. I think a better show that's actually come out, uh, that uh, came out this Friday, that's both on Disney Plus and Hulu, is actually the revival of the Goosebumps TV show. Yes. Now, that was originally a book series for young adults and kids when while we were growing up. They made a TV show that was literally like a Saturday morning TV show when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That was akin to like kind of like the Are You Afraid of the Dark, like little horror mo- horror stories, where at the end of the story your hero kid was victorious or something over whatever. Well, entity. sometimes they were victorious, sometimes they were not. 
It depends on the story they were telling. Yeah, but usually the ones that they did TV shows for, the kids were victorious at the end. Okay. At least the ones I remember seeing. Um, But this one's really interesting because it's a TV show. Um, First five episodes are out. We only watched the first one. But it's very clear all the TV show episodes are different store, different, basically different books. Like, um, the, like reader the, beware. Um, uh, the, that's, what's that's the camera five. one? The, um, oh, I forget the night, name yeah, of the season camera. one. Let's look at the episode list. So it says, uh, say cheese and die, which was a yeah. name of a book. The haunted mask was a book. The cuckoo clock of doom, go eat worms and reader beware. These were uh, book names of individual stories, but what it is is that they're all going to connect to this overarching arc of, like, this kid was in this house, he burned alive, his parents disappeared, Justin Long just moved in, and, like, there's this whole, like, haunting thing going on. Mm-hmm. And all these different items that were in the very first episode are now going to come back to be the main focus of each episode. Like, he had a bunch of worms. He had, like, a terrarium full of worms. He had, like, a weird-looking mask. There's a cuckoo clock in there that's uh, they uh, basically show definitely in a frame. Yep. The Um, Polaroid camera, which was part of the first episode. Yeah. So, it's definitely... It looks fairly good. It looks... And it's done... And the production value on it is really done well Mm -hmm. with the um, effects for the ghosts and whatnot and our main characters who are trying to figure out what's going on. Um... It honestly feels like it fits the Goosebump thing, but it doesn't feel like it's too kiddie. It feels more like it's mature adult. Yeah. It's definitely more for, like, the teen audience, um, since your main cast is teens. But I really like Justin Long and his role as being the new uh, teacher, uh, English teacher. Uh, I thought he did a great job. And also the act kid act... Well, they're not kid actors. The... Teen actors, uh, I thought, did well as for their roles. Yeah, I think they did really good as far as uh, what they're doing because um, the main well, not one of the, one of the main characters has like kind of the same um, energy as the jock did in America Vandal, mm-hmm. uh, the season two of that one. Um, basically, have him, his girlfriend, his childhood friend, who's his neighbor, who's the nerdy girl who doesn't hang out with anybody. Their gay friend, who is like way flamboyant and out there, very like, flamboyant. Like all the kids I knew that were openly gay in high school when I was a kid, like they don't go to a Halloween party in a t- skin tight cat outfit, <laughs> like yeah. this kid was doing. Um, but hey, maybe the new generation is different. But um, those are our main char- are basically our main characters. I think all this stuff's gonna happen to in Say Cheese or Die. Basically, it's the classic tale like this camera you take photos of it people are you take a photo and the polaroid image that came out of it was a picture of them dead mm-hmm. but if you intervene you can stop them from dying and then it doesn't happen the photo kind of ra- would basically erase itself um except for when he was trying to show other photos the photos of other people it would automatically erase immediately um the next one uh is the haunted mass so we gotta see where that one goes but we'll catch up on all that the first five episodes that and i think every friday a new episode comes out mm-hmm. for that i don't know how long it's gonna be maybe eight episodes or so i will have to see where it goes but it looks fairly good as far as being faithful to goosebumps books that were 
weren't really ever scary books that were hard, like, were scaring people to read. They are just entertaining stories that were dealing with supernatural stuff. Yeah. Um, and it seems like this is fitting uh, really well with it. So definitely recommend watching that so far, and then we'll give you more information as we catch up on that. Mm -hmm. um, next TV show, uh, Loki. We got to see the second episode, yes. which was called Breaking Brad. Um, <laughs> now, there were some things that were kind of confusing about this because the very first episode, they didn't really explain that all the soldiers, like, taking all the bombs with them and going through time portals. Well, and all the weapons. And all the weapons was not sanctioned. It seemed like okay, the characters assume they're going after Sylphie. So, like, and they're surprised, oh, that's a lot of firepower to go after one person, right, or whatnot. And they kind of paid no mind to it. because well, they had bigger problems, which was with try, let's try to uh, stabilize Loki. That yeah. was the main focus, so they weren't paying attention to uh, that section of the TVA until this episode... But like, it comes to it would have been nice in this episode if at the beginning of it they would have explained what that crew was doing and them finding it out versus, oh, we got to go find this guy, Brad. I'm like, well, who the fuck is Brad and why do we care about this guy? Yeah. Well, they tell you that Brad was one of the guys that brought Loki in. Yeah, but I don't recognize him from the from the first season Same. at all. Um, so he's just he's just a TVA agent that decided to go in the timeline and like live his life as the being main a, timeline. The main That's timeline a... as being a movie star. And so Loki and Morbius go down, go to the main timeline, mm -hmm. find him, because they believe that he's he was a good hunter and that he found Sylphie, but he decided to stay in the main timeline to live his life because of the realization of what that the TV is not real and that you can have a life and that these people are all kidnapped. He decides to abandon the TVA and live his life. They go capture him and basically torture him to get information out and figure out where Sylphie is. But he knows the main plan is that they're going to destroy all the new timelines. Which he doesn't reveal to them till they get to till very Sylphie's, end, yeah. or Sylvie's uh, timeline. timeline that she's in. Where she's enjoying a life working at McDonald's in like 1982. Yes. When <laughs> and, Chicken McNuggies in, came in. Oklahoma in. of all places. It's like, who? Okay. Yeah. So... It was weird at that point because we're like, okay, I guess there was they weren't supposed to be doing it. It seemed like it was a sanctioned thing that they were doing, but we didn't realize that they weren't. Um, but the episode is still very good where, like, mm -hmm. once you get past all that stuff, um, we end up getting to where they find Sylphie. Loki's trying to tell her what he saw in the future. She's like, I don't want anything to do with the TVA. Yep. But then they find out that from Brad, who wants to get the hell out of her timeline as soon as possible... Because he knows the rogue general is it's pruning all the all the new time, all the branches, which is honestly they end up being even though like they try and stop them and they have this huge action sequence, which is pretty decent. Pretty decent. Mm -hmm. um, they actually seem pretty successful in pruning all the timelines. Yes, but because of what they did at the end of season one, it kind of seems fruitless that. Because all those timelines should just reappear again, or do or new ones should, because decisions can be made and it should just be going up in a way. Yeah, but in them fixing that, it bought them time from the TV basically exploding from the loom uh, that Ouroboros or Obi was trying to fix, but has no access because the only person who has access is the person who created it, which is he who remains, remains who is dead because of Sylvie, Sylvie. and Miss Minutes is offline so they're trying to now figure out a way 
a workaround that or find Miss Minutes to get her back on track. But I think she'll, if they get her back, I think she's going to go rogue and try to <clears throat> kill him or something. Yeah, look, you obviously point out, yeah, she's working with He Who Remains. So I think what they're going to do is what they showed in the original trailer is they're going to find a version of him mm-hmm. and try and bring him to the TVA so he can open the door and they can make adjustments to this loom that's trying to wrap all the timelines into what's one true timeline. Okay. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. Like I said, the only, the only confusing part was this was we didn't know what was kind of going on with this Brad character and why he was important until they kind of explained that. And this whole plot to destroy all the timelines that apparently nobody at the TVA bothered to notice. Yeah. Even though there's a million <laughs> people not dealing with the Loki situation. Um, but it's great to see that they have more stuff with Obi's character. Yes, and um, it looks like Obi's going to be in through most of the episode, which I'm really happy about. I love Obi. Yeah, he's, he's great. Really good character. That's um, played by Ki Hung Kwan, the guy who was short round in the Indiana Jones movie, um, and then Eugene Cordero, uh, who was just kind of like the pencil pusher, who was like, "Oh yeah, I have all these Infinity Stones. We use them as paper rates around here in the first season." Has gotten a bigger part in this season, which is great because he's and he's really good on his comedic timing and everything too so so be between great. him and obi are going to be our little comedic yeah uh, so points. looks like 12 episodes are gonna be in this season that's cool that's a lot more than i think ah. before uh because tom hiddleston's in 12 or was in 11 so there's mm-hmm. so the next episode is probably gonna be them figuring out what they're gonna do with loom but also trying to find Rinslayer, who is disappearing they, at the end of this episode they just got a hit off of her uh time pattern tricorder whatever the yeah. hell it is uh so they're probably gonna try and find her next so it'll be interesting to see where they go again this was basically one of the best mcu tv shows that came out with us after wandavision mm-hmm. so it'll be great to see where this goes and hopefully they continue the momentum of being pretty smart about their decision especially when you're like dealing with time travel and multiple di- dimensions you kind of have to have things thought out fairly well so the audience is fairly entertained because and can follow along too which helps yeah because like people are burnt out on the superhero stuff Mm -hmm. and people are burnt out on time travel and multiverse stuff as well since everybody's trying to fucking do that um but this is handling it fairly well uh to where it's fairly interesting there's still character growth moments the big uh interrogation uh scene with brad and loki and mobius where like brad gets under everybody's skin was really really good acting like calling mobius out to where he freaked out and hit him and then basically referring to loki that he's a villain he should do villain stuff yeah it's not trying to be a hero it was, was pretty good se- sequence so i still definitely recommend the show it's still a lot of fun we'll keep you up to date on episodes as they come out um definitely worth uh watching for sure yes now the last tv show that we watched uh, this week was episode two of our no, flight not episode oh, no, two yeah it's this episode is episode six. four no it's episode four and five came four out and five that's right um and this is did, my favorite show out right now followed closely by loki uh, our flag means death season two so yeah they came out the first three episodes then this week they came out with four and two. five yes um first three episodes we co- covered last week cover like the, the conclusion of the dark arc the is dark arc of like the their big breakup between Steve Bonnet and um, Blackbeard. Blackbeard and how Blackbeard handled that. Now they're like <laughs> in the stage of like, 
okay, they're kind of back together. The repairing the of repairing the relationship. But, like, they introduced some cool characters, which was Mary Steed and, uh, and, and Bonnet, Bonnet, which are two very real pirates uh, at the time. Yes. But they put them in their own relationship. And it, and turns it was out, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, like, they're basically S&M, into S&M. Um, to keep it fresh and alive, as yeah. they put it. And Bonnet ba- or basically stabs Mary Reed in the back in their, when they're having a little argument. because And then she, Mary poisons her. And then, yeah, Mary poisons her, and they go back and forth, and then... As and, they're dealing with their relationship, they're making fun of Steve Bonnet and Blackbeard's relationship to where, like, Anne Bonnet ends up burning down their antique shop because Mary Steed really wants to go back to pirating. And so Anne burns down the house so that they can go back to pirating, which leaves Blackbeard now, like, I need a place to stay for the night because he got voted off the ship. Yeah. To where... They get him back on the ship, but under the condition that he has to wear a cat bell so they know where he's at. So he can't so sneak up on him. every time he walks, you hear the little tingling. Yeah, it's, it's like just, having a cat. It's so cute and funny. And, and it cracks me up because we just got our cat's new collars yeah, and their so little like, bells. So ding, it's like... Dingles the same way. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Blackbeard's nearby. Yeah. Speaking so, hi. Yeah. Basically, Blackbeard is repairing his relationships with the crew and with Steve Bonnet. Not to be like jump right back to the relationship, but take it a lot slower. Um, one of the crew members, the guy, the Scottish guy, turned into a bird, possibly. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe. You he, don't know. Or maybe he walked into a tree and passed out and a bird flew away. I don't know. Blackbeard seems to believe he turned into a bird. And that made him believe that people can change. So that, like, he's so back he's in, trying to change. Trying to change himself and, like, actually understand, like, what he thought was fun in games was actually terrifying for the crew and horrible. Yeah. Um, the crew's trying to get over their differences where, like, Bonnet's crew try bakes them a cake and makes them a pinata and tries to, like, let them know that they're doing a really good job. But the crew that was with Blackbeard is completely traumatized that, like... Get flashbacks from the, the cake. Pi- the pinata is, like, a flashback to the girl having to beat up the, the chick that she loved. And then the cake is a flashback of the wedding where they are killing a wedding party and we're like, that's pretty disturbing. <laughs> To where, where they all thought they were trying to kill each other, so they had to work that out, uh, mm-hmm. which is done pretty hilariously. And they also updated their flag in this. Yes! It's quite it's, flashy it's now. It's still a cat, but it's like yes. a cat roaring up with like a starburst behind it. It's very cute. Very interesting. And then um, Izzy has finally gotten over his lost leg. Yes. The crew made him a, a better leg uh, out of the horse... Legs. The unicorn, uh, that headpiece on the ship, ship. Right? that like yep. it, the unicorn that lost Izzy its head. Cut the legs off, so yeah, the unicorn couldn't have legs. Yeah, because for most of the episode, he's at the front of the ship yelling at the unicorn about having its legs and him having only one leg. Yeah, so he cuts off the legs to get revenge on it, basically. Yeah, and he's drunk and super, so the crew actually makes him a peg leg out of it that he can actually that won't actually break. So, so his little peg leg has a horse. Hoof. The horse hoof, yeah. And, and that, it's painted gold. That's important. And they wrote him a charming note, which he said... he was the new unicorn. And it brought a tear to his eye. So Izzy is back to normal now. Yeah. Well, as much as Izzy can be. But, like, the whole two episodes, I guess, is, like, getting over trauma. Well, one the last episode is definitely getting over trauma because mostly focused on the crew. Yes. Because the crew still has their issues. Like, um, the one guy missing the finger it was really upset at blackbeard for pushing him off the boat and all this so he stuff. pushed blackbeard off the boat so he got pushed blackbeard off the boat but didn't do enough for him but his conversation with izzy was the important part where yes 
he said, oh, maybe we'll cut off his leg like he did to you. And he's like, like, and he's like who cut off my leg? I, I got bitten off by a shark when I was dangling my feet over the edge of the boat. It's like, oh, so you're just not going to, like, believe what happened happened? It's like, it's better than, it's better than not moving on, which was the shock to the other guy. Like, oh, I'm still stuck on the fact that I got pushed off the ship and all this horrible shit happened to me. I should just move on and get over it. So, like, which is, like, both, like, cool, like, concepts of, like, how people cope with trauma. Um, Grant Izzy's method of doing it is not perfect, but it got him past that point where he can move on and get on with his life. Mm-hmm. Even though now he had, he's made up a complete fictitious story of what happened to his leg, and not that his best friend and, like, student at one point cut off his toes and then cut off his leg because he was upset about a breakup. Um, but to help the other guy get over, like, stop harping on the fact that this shit happened to you, move on with your life. Just like his boyfriend told him, like, you're alive. Be happy that you're fucking alive and stop telling me about how you almost died. Yes. Um, so it was very interesting because, like, as this is definitely, like, a show about relationship stuff, it does show, like, how people deal with trauma. It's done in an interesting way where usually a lot of shows that are, especially nowadays, are focusing on trauma and mental health stuff are so... Are whiny and well, like... they're whiny and they're also really babying people. While this, it's like, yes, you can wallow for a little bit, but you need to learn to move on and get over this issue. Yeah, and that's the thing is that with how other shows have dealt with this stuff, it's like so it's very whiny and the characters are very entitled. Yeah, and they don't want to do. And that's any the work. thing I hate is the entitlement. Yeah, like they, they don't want to do any work to get to fix anything because their entitlement. Where this is like. Yeah, they break down, they have a horrible uh, experiences, they have to deal with it, but they figure out how to deal with it, and they move on. Yes. Whether or not those are, quote-unquote, the healthy ways or the non-the healthy ways to deal with a situation, it's them still dealing with it. Um, and that should be considered okay that that's how they dealt with it. Yeah. Maybe one day Izzy will have to fucking, like, face the fact that what happened to him happened to him, but the ways he chose to face it now is that he made up a story about why his leg's missing, and he's going to get on with his life as being kind of the first mate or the quartermaster of the ship of the Revenge with Steed Bonnet as captain and Blackbeard kind of being the the, the pet cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. as, they, as him and, and Bonnet figured out their relationship. Yes. So, very much a good show. Definitely recommend it. Um, I... Don't know exactly what people are saying because I've actually looked at what other reviews. I refuse to look at other people are Because I know a lot of people are going to focus on the, on the relationship stuff. Like, oh, this is just a TV show for gay people or something. It's like, you know, it's not that. They do tap, tap into lots of things that everybody can relate to. Regardless if you're homosexual or not, the relationships are just regular relationships yeah. that everybody goes Anyone through. can fit into those roles. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of done for comedic effect, but kind of done for like a natural effect type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's real funny considering like the real uh Blackbeard hated Steve Bonnet for being so fake, inept. Being inept and being a fake pirate. So that's <laughs> kind of why that's the joke that they're in a relationship because they were complete opposites. Yes. Um it's great that that Anne Bonnet and Mary Steed are in a relationship considering like they're two like the most well known female pirates. Um and that they're fucking both crazy as fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, they're, they're played very, very well. I love by it. I actresses. hope we see them again. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope, I really hope they hope. end up on the high seas with them because, again, this will come down to like 
them having to fight the Queen of the Pirates probably by the end of the season. Well, not only that, you, they're also hunted by the English. And yeah. I'm sure Spain's going to throw their hat in at some point. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Definitely a good show. It has its stuff it. with funny bits like the like the funny like nonsensical bit in the, in the last episode was the cursed suit that they found. It was literally like they were raiding a ship where everybody's already killed, but the dead priest was trying to like basically say, "Don't grab, don't steal Same any of my thing. shit because it's all cursed. Everything is cursed. Like, don't touch that. That's cursed. Don't touch any of that stuff. That's cursed." And so Steve found a velvet suit and took it, and then the crew believed it was cursed. To where, like, they literally raided a ship and then gave the suit to the other captain without stealing anything. Saying, oh, here you go. You have this nice, lovely suit. Isn't and that... the other captain's like, it's cursed, isn't it? And like, no, like, it's no, not. No, no, we're just going to leave now. Bye. Yeah, they just, like, left it and took off. I mean, it has those little moments where obviously, like, here's the comedic art part. But it has its heavy moments, which are also done fairly funny. Mm-hmm. But you get what they're trying to get through, which... Yes. Um, definitely a great show. You should definitely check it out. Definitely uh, watch on... the first season and then roll right into the second season. It's yeah, it's on HBO Max. Um, weird things like we break down the HBO Max channels. This is on a Sin a Sin Max uh, tab that they have. Weird. So I thought it was an HBO show, but I guess it's like Cinemax HBO collaboration type of thing. Huh. It's weird how they're categorizing stuff. That app kind of really needs to be reworked because it's like if you go to like the Turner Classic movies. It has a lot of the classic movies, but if you go to all the movies, it has the movies that are on HBO and everything else there, too. Oh, that's weird. And, like, HBO has all the current classic movies on their list as well. So it was, like, it's not categorized the way it was prior when yeah. it was just HBO Max. It just being the Max app is just kind it's of... too much. Like, they cut down a lot of the categories of stuff, so... It's harder to find. Yeah, it's not as easy to separate things out. Uh, you have to kind of dig for it. Mm-hmm. But either way, Our Flag Means Death, great show. Check it out. Um, Loki definitely watched that. Uh, Haunted Mansion, kind of a fun movie to watch. To watch, definitely not great, but definitely better than Eddie Murray Murray version of it. Will they try to make another Haunted Mansion movie? No. probably in the future, but not with the same crew. Not with the same crew. They won't make a sequel to this. They'll, they'll probably come back to it and try and make another movie in ten years. That that emulates okay. a ride again. I think as far as like a ride being turned into a movie, this had the best elements of adding those ride elements to it. Mm-hmm. But the movie just wasn't great. Right. Um, yeah. Mich- uh, better off watching Goosebumps than Haunted Mansion. That's probably going to be more fun show to watch. Mission Impossible. Um, skip. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, skip it and skip uh, skip the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh, we know like, you'll see the sequel. In the trailer here, like, it doesn't look as red as it did on our TV. And we changed all our TV settings to try and not make it so warm. And it's like, no, this is just shot where really where warm. everything is no, red. there was. So, so, anyway. Yeah. We will uh, see you next week with uh, more stuff as we uh, w- keep you up to date on the TV shows we're watching. Yep. The games we're playing. We'll see how everything goes. Um, so, we'll catch you then. Thanks for watching. Uh, you can catch us on... Uh, nerdcrusade.com wherever your podcasts are at and you can find us at www.nerdcrusade.com and on Twitch at the Nerd Crusade. Okay? Bye. Bye!